Good morning, race fans. It's about 1230 here in Lincoln, Nebraska. My name's James Roland, and welcome to Roland Race News. Roland Race News is going to focus on Nebraska dirt track racing, and if we have some stragglers from the surrounding areas, I am totally cool with having them on too. A little bit about myself, kind of some backstory. My name's James Roland. I'm 29 years old, and I am, as far as I know, the nation's only visually impaired race announcer, pit reporter, whatever you want to call it. I've got the best gig in the world to go out and do every Saturday night. The main focus for this program is going to be to talk Nebraska dirt track racing. I'm fortunate enough to get to help some guys out on another podcast. The Quick Time Podcast covers a lot of local and national sprint car racing, so check those guys out wherever you get your podcasts. The Quick Time Podcast, great group of guys. Brandon Anderson, a track photographer. Jason Orth, another track photographer. And Brad Brown from IB Racing. They jump on every Tuesday night and talk Nothing but sprint car racing, unless we get off topic. I'm not here to take any guests from those guys, but a couple of people that we've got lined up to jump on the show and talk with us a little bit. I'm actually going to get with Troy Sanford, one of the rookie class out at Eagle Raceway in the Race Saver 305s this year. He wants to come over and talk a little bit about his plans for next year, but we also want to talk about our upbringing around motorsports and kind of some of the family lineage behind that. And I plan to do a lot of talking with people about some of that family lineage because a lot of drivers out there are second and third generation. And we just kind of want to figure out where these guys came from and what makes them want to keep racing because, as we know, in this climate, it's so expensive to put a car together, put gas in it, roll out to the racetrack, and do all that stuff that it takes behind the scenes other than what you get to watch from the grandstands or the pit area catwalk. Uh, Stefan Oaks reached out to me. Stefan's a sport mod driver. Also, my first like on SoundCloud, so thanks a lot for that, Stefan. And another sport mod, former sport mod driver, Blake Haas, used to run the number 56. Another like on there. Thank you guys for your support. We're going to try and keep this thing rolling. I will publish every Monday morning. A little bit more background. I work second shift, so sometimes it might be a little bit difficult. We'll probably do some recording on the weekends, or if any of the drivers like to get rowdy and stay up a little late. This will be an unedited podcast. You can get all your fucks and shits out here. Just uh, The only real rules are no politics, no religion, and don't bring somebody that's going to make a bunch of background noise. So, we'll get this off the ground and up and rolling. Um... No editing to this because I'm dumb and don't really know how yet, so I'll be screwing around with these podcast apps, trying to work on getting our production a little bit better week in, week out as we go along. So if you know somebody that you think might like to jump on and just talk to us about some dirt track racing, the history of your racing career, and what you plan to do in the future, I'm definitely going to be looking to talk to some people who raced at Eagle Raceway in the compact division and have since moved up. I know I've got a list of about 10 guys who started out in the Sport Compact division and have moved on to bigger and better things, picking up feature wins and sprint cars, modifies. We've got track champions and sport mods. You know, a ton of guys came out of that class, and with the sport mods going by the wayside and bringing in stock cars, we will definitely be talking to some guys that are looking to start racing at Eagle, or maybe pick up racing stock cars at Eagle, like uh, Shane Stutzman, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the show, man. You were one of my heroes growing up, so it'd be great to talk to you about the season that's upcoming. 
So basically, we're just going to sit down. If you want to drink, you're more than welcome to drink. If you want to smoke a cigar, that's totally fine. This is an unedited kind of free-for-all type of deal. And we're just here to have a really good time and talk some Nebraska dirt track racing. So thank you guys very much for listening to this. We will try to drop. It probably won't be this coming Monday, but the following Monday we'll have a driver on here and we'll definitely have something to talk about. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Roland Race News, and I look forward to looking, listening, and talking to you in the future. Have a great night, everybody. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, or ass crack of dawns to your race fans. James Roland here with Roland Race News, getting caught up with Dan Taylor and Anthony Ainsley this evening. First edition of Roland Race News. Dan Taylor, why don't you go ahead and fill us in a little bit about what you had going on here with the I-80 Late Model Nationals on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about this was originally supposed to be the uh, ever-growing and more and more popular every year, Knoxville Late Model Nationals. But uh, after the what we're going to call the 360 and 410 Nationals, even though it really wasn't the 410 Nationals, it was kind of a doubleheader World of Outlaws weekend yeah, featuring the- pretty much everybody except for the pay of the world of the uh, 410 Nationals. Uh, there was a pretty big outbreak between drivers, crew, uh, TV partners, and uh, Knoxville employees of COVID-19. So uh, I think that went on for about three days, and then Knoxville made the announcement on a Tuesday that they were going to be ending their season early, which meant their championship weekend was done, which meant the late model nationals were gone. And uh, credit to Joe and, and, and Lisa and Steve, they jumped on the phone right away. And in fact, I would venture to say, like most people, we were expecting the news that did end up coming that they were going to cancel it. So Joe and them were on the phone making the wheels turn ahead of time and ended up getting an entire toned down version of the silver dollar nationals booked and scheduled within about a three week period you know unfortunately unfortunately with me working second shift i couldn't make it out to any of this i just rolled up to the racetrack about 20 minutes ago but i went ahead and bit the bullet and got the lucas oil racing tv deal and man you guys put on one hell of a show yeah each and every night of it us uh, stock car support class on Thursday? Yeah, in uh, a great class, too. Uh, uh, credit goes to Steve Kaziski. Uh, the track wasn't great on Thursday. Drivers, Lucas Oil drivers were a little frustrated. Stock car drivers were a little frustrated, but the heat races were still well worth watching, well worth enjoying. And uh, I, I've said it a couple of times this weekend, one of my favorite things to happen at IED Speedway is when there's a multi-day show and Steve Kaziski misses the track the first day. Because uh, you talk about a driver that made a mistake in the corner and coughed up a big race. Uh, you talk about somebody that, that let, her sl- let that girl slip away or whatever. Uh, it sticks with you, and it stuck with Steve. He was pretty upset with himself after Thursday night. Still had a great show, still had great races. Uh, the, the Lucas Oil guys, it was a little locked down, so they weren't able to do a lot of passing during the heat races and the qualifying and the time trials. But... Uh, the stock cars put on a great show. Jesse Sobbing ended up getting the win in the 99. I believe that was his uh, sixth stock car win at I-80 Speedway in 2020. So absolutely dominant year for Jesse in that 99. And, and Jed Williams, who was coming on strong at the end of the year, ended up finishing second. Porky Scott Carlson, who he's kind of got that where did he come from Harvick thing going on this year where all of a sudden – Scott Carlson sticking that one C up there, and, and all of a sudden you're starting to see that peak into the uh, into the top five. 
You know, I've always wondered since back in the message board days of DirtDrivers.com, uh, where did the nickname Porky come from for Scott Carlson? I can remember the Pro-Am days at Eagle and then transitioning over here to the bigger cars. And, uh, you know, that's just one of those nicknames that I've always kind of wondered. I would assume it was the size, but I don't know the true story. <laughs> Big man. All right, He's, I can take that. I mean, there's obviously bigger guys than him. Uh, Mike Nichols back in the day, what, three four years ago was three, maybe four times the size that Scott Carlson is now. But I think it was just one of those things that maybe Scott was a little porky around the edge, and so some some good old buddy gave him that nickname. But we, I'd have to talk with him and find out exactly what that was. We might have to dig that one up for yeah. 2021. Yeah. Uh, Benji Leg, who I believe that was the first time Benji ever raced at I-80 Speedway, at least I know in 2000, um, 2020, and I think he used to race a modified throughout the area. Sport uh, throughout the area. Benji actually used to race. He's the son of Frankie Leg, a big-time pro-am and stock car driver from Beatrice back in the 70s and 80s and even back beyond that. Benji got his start, I think, in the pro-ams. And then when Eagle, when they used to have their Friday night program, at the end of 2001, that left. And Beatrice actually approached some people asking them to start what was called the limited modified division, which is kind of sort of what developed into the IMCA Northern Sport Mod. And then Benji went on to that. So what, was he racing a stock car on Thursday yeah. or a late model? Uh, jet stock car. Really? Yeah. Uh, good to uh, see him in a good car. My understanding was it was a jet and a good run for him. Ended up finishing fourth. And then Dustin Ray at a Council Bluffs got your top five. Brad Deary, Shane Stutzman, Nick Woodard, Larry Robinson, and Scott Stiskel were your top ten. There was only uh, 22 cars listed, and I want to make sure and say that because there seems to be fans out there that are like, oh, they only got 20 cars to come out. And Lucas Oil tied IED's hands just a little bit and said, we only want you guys to have 20. And true to Joe Kaziski, he said, we're going to add 22. So he went in and they told him they only wanted 20 and he put on 22. So pushing the envelope in yeah. all the right ways. Yeah. Uh, great feature there. And then uh, we went on to the Friday night action, which, by the way, the Lucas Oil late model series. That was um, a full, complete show. So if anybody uh, pays attention like the Silver Dollar Nationals, we do things just a little bit different where um, there's qualifying nights, last chance qualifiers. This was more of three different shows. And then on Saturday night, it was the big paying night. 7000 to win for the Lucas Oil Light Models. And Kyle Strickler, uh, who missed uh, a big $50,000 payday, Previously in Eldora the week before, ends up coming out and putting on one heck of a show. Crowd favorite. Everyone loved watching him, and it was a great celebration to watch him win that race. Yeah, Kyle was always you know a huge fan favorite in the modified days, and it's great to see him jump up into the late model and really get stuff rolling and click off a huge win like that. $7,000 on a Thursday night. You can't do that at a blackjack table, let alone a racetrack. <laughs> no, no, and he did a great job, and, uh, and then... Um, your, uh, your second-place finisher ended up being uh, Shane Clanton, uh, Josh Richards in third, Chris Madden in fourth, and my only fantasy pick that made it into the top ten was Jimmy Owens in fifth. You didn't see a lot of the regular guys that you would see. I, I kind of made the mistake that night of I picked who I saw do well during the Silver Dollar Nationals, which is an 80- or 100-lap race like we did this year. We did 101 laps. And a lot of the guys that you see that did great on that feature night didn't do a very good job on Thursday night because it was a lot different of a track than they're used to. Like I kind of mentioned earlier, Steve Kaziski kind of missed the track just a little bit. It was a little too muddy. So you, your non-regulars were up front dominating that race and winning it 
uh, even though Kyle Strickler was able to get the win, and he's been coming on pretty strong in that class or in that series uh, lately. Yeah, great night of racing Thursday, and then rolled into Friday. There was just so much good action all across. Like you're saying, the track was a complete 360 degree double yeah. turnaround. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, we'll talk about it here in a little bit with the Lucas Oil guys. I think it took them off guard for how much better the track was on Friday. Uh, and, and we saw a lot of different characters up front. For your modified feature, I want to give the hats off. I think the modified heat races were the best to watch all night. And those are the only thing that I missed of that night <laughs> sitting at work. Go get the replay because it was uh, those were uh, back and forth. Nobody got away. Uh, slide jobs and, and great hard-nosed racing but respectful racing. Uh, enjoyed watching those. And, and then it comes out to the feature. And, you know, Mark Lighting kind of stunk the show up a little bit. He he went out and led, started on the pole, pulled away. Jordan Grabowski, who I fully expected coming down with about 10 laps to go, I expected Grabowski to start reeling in Lighting and like he, we see him do at Eagle and at Beatrice and at anywhere he goes to, really. Every damn racetrack he goes to, absolutely. But uh, he he wasn't able to uh, to reel in Mark Lighting and Lighting had the very best car of the weekend and of that race. Jordan Grabowski ended up coming home second. Jacob Hobscheit, who uh, I kind of ex- I was one of my dark horses to win that race, and I don't know if I could kind of a dark horse because he's won like the last five races at IED Speedway for the Modifieds. Won the track championship, absolutely dominant. He ended up coming home third. Shane Hyatt in fourth, and Brandon Spanger with a great top five finish. John Hansen, Mike Densberger, Jaron Heffelman, Dylan Silman, and Austin Swoboda ended up winning uh, or getting in your top 10. But again, great racing in the modified for the heat races. The, uh, the feature ended up being a little strung out, and, uh, and we could have used maybe two or, two or three more cautions, but I think we still would have had the same result of Mark Lighting getting that win. Something I want to ask you about the modified feature. I was doing something, and I had my headphones in just away from my phone and didn't see it. Um, you said something about someone going backwards on the track and not doing that. Can you just yeah. kind of explain it for somebody that couldn't see it? Was he actually like in reverse down the front stretch or just spun around going the wrong direction to hit a pit entrance? Or how did that go? Ryan Jenkins and uh, Jordan Grabowski were racing pretty hard going down That's the back stretch. It. And uh, I think Ryan felt like Jordan chopped his nose a little bit and was a little upset. And Jordan or uh, Ryan kind of came to rest oh, about where the Kaziski Auto Parts banner is there in turn number three. Right. So it's 150 yards into the corner, maybe 150 yards into the corner for turn number three. Comes around completely, and the field goes by. Everybody avoids him. I can't believe him. And they were at the front of the field. I can't believe nobody got into him with that. And uh, Ryan started driving backwards down the racetrack. Now, it's one thing if you drive backwards to get into the pits. Yeah. He went past the pits. And a waited. hot under the collar. And that was when I made the comment of, you don't drive backwards down the backstretch at I-80 Speedway. Okay, um, I get what you're saying now. Yeah, a little bit of uh, flared tempers on a yep, Friday night. Yep. Uh, and duly so. I think, I think Ryan, for as calm of a person as he is, and is a well-mannered guy, I've, ever, I've always talked to him, I always have a good time talking to him, um, I think he had a legitimate reason to be upset. I was a little taken back at the fact that he did end up driving down the backstretch a little bit. Now, nothing ever came of it. He never swerved at Jordan. He never. Maybe he gave him a, a, a one-finger salute, maybe whatever, but my favorite part of the night, so he pulls into the infield, and apparently his engine catches on fire. Oh, no. 
that's the reason why we, I was sitting there and, and James Essex is kind of doing some work and I'm looking over at the Lucas Oil TV and they've got a camera right on him. Now they've got a camera sitting over here by the big I-80 Speedway banner in turn three, which is looking right down Just the backstretch and they can turn it a little bit and it's pointing right down the uh, the backstretch portion of the pits the pit lane. And Ryan was sitting there parked and the last thing just before they cut away, somebody must have said something to Ryan because he turns around and flips somebody the bird. <laughs> and it caught on national television. That is excellent. <laughs> so, I've always wanted to give the one finger <laughs> salute on national TV. So I, I he was parked over at turns one to two after the races and I, I went in and I said, Hey, do you realize that your uh, your number one salute went over national TV? And he goes, Oh God, really? I feel so dumb now. And I go, doubt. They're going to remember that. Man, You're all right. <laughs> that is great. Is this something that's going to end up being broadcast uh, on, like, Mav or anything? I know that Lucas and Mav maybe have some kind of tie-up, I think. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would assume that this is because you had to pay $100, get a yearly subscription in order to watch this race. And a bargain for that. Yeah, you had to uh, – it, it, I would assume it would be a Lucas Oil property. Maybe they would release the rights to Mav TV over the wintertime. But uh, I would I would suspect this is going to live on Lucas Oil TV for quite a while. It'll definitely go down in history. So uh, that covers your modifieds for Friday night. How about the super late model part of the program? Yeah, super late models for uh, Friday were a little bit different of a story. Again, 30-lap feature, 7,000 to win. We did uh, heat races, time trials, B feature, uh, all that stuff. Completely different race. Uh, and different characters up front. Now, of course, tonight, that night, Friday night, I didn't pick Jimmy Owens, and he ended up going on and winning the race. I only got one in the top five and two in the top ten. Listen, let's just cut to the chase. I had a terrible fantasy weekend. Horrible weekend. Uh, and I'm a little ashamed of myself. I should have done better. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think you're ashamed of yourself, I'm definitely going to have to make it down to Council Bluffs one of these days and drink some whiskey with you and, and learn about the Pick'em's contests and the fantasy leagues and the this and that because I'm I'm just so bad when it comes to technology. I've never gotten into the fantasy football. Yeah. Back in the day at one of my first jobs out of high school, we did an NFL pick'ems where you circled what team that you wanted to win. But uh, right. I think I want to get in on that fantasy league because it, it's not that much more of a cost on the My Race Pass app to do that. And then you do get a little bit of bragging rights like Anthony beating you tonight. Yeah, uh, and th like the night I beat Anthony. Or the night I beat you, the one that's night that I had the free weekend. But uh, Jimmy Owens ended up winning, and you know he's been very strong. Obviously, with with having the uh, the neon orange uh, uh, spoiler on his car, being the points leader, dominating in the points. By the way, Thursday and Friday were not points nights for the Lucas Oil guys. All right, it was just a cash night, uh, paying win, and uh, Jimmy Owens ended up getting the win. Uh, Tim McCready ends up bringing home in second, Brandon Overton in third, and Devin Moran in fourth with Daryl Lanigan top five. Ricky Thornton Jr. in sixth, Ryan Gustin seventh, Kyle Strickler with a top eight, uh, Josh Richards ninth, and Brandon Shepard, your top ten. Good race, a little bit different of a racetrack, but Thursday nights, uh, excuse me, Friday nights, Lucas Oil Heat Races, their time trials and the A feature were phenomenal with battles all throughout the field. Drivers were singing the praises of Steve Kaziski once again, saying he did a fantastic job and brought listen to the things we told him last night, and he, he brought us a great racetrack on Friday. Racetrack redemption from Steve Kaziski, and boy, did it really show. 
And then I think we're going to go ahead and jump over into our recap of the Saturday Saturday night's program here at the I-80 Late Model Nationals, catching up with the voice of the SLMR Late Model Series, Mr. Anthony Ainsley. Anthony, big night tonight. Looks like you had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Of course, uh, just late models, late models, and more late models. I believe we had about 46 entries on the Lucas Oil late model side. We had 19 uh, Malvern Bank super late models. Of course, uh, for the Malvern Bank series, uh, tonight was supposed to be our uh, invite-only race over at Knoxville Raceway. Uh, scheduled to be 22 laps for 4000 to win on that Saturday night. But, uh, of course, with uh, Knoxville having the season cut short, uh, had a bit of a toned-down uh, feature tonight. We had 20 laps for, I believe, 1200 to win tonight. But, nonetheless, had a great time. A lot of great uh, racing action all throughout the, the Saturday portion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the track was just... For as much rubber as it did take, it was so fast and so racy all the way across the board. You know, you could see a lot of good two-wide racing. Not a lot of guys really got three-wide when it came towards feature time, but definitely an exciting race night all around. Uh, had one turnover, just really a, a good night of racing. And you kind of got to step in and help come feature time with the Lucas Oil 8 Model Dirt Series. Tell us a little bit about that and just how cool that has to be. Coming from a pit reporter perspective, a guy that was just up in these suites at I-80 getting to just say hi to John Gibson a couple weeks ago, that's got to mean a ton. Absolutely, and of course, the last couple of years when I came on as the uh, voice of the Malvern Bank Series, got a chance to work at a lot of great racetracks, and of course, uh, got a chance to work alongside uh, James Essex with the Lucas Oil Series a couple of times during the Silver Dollar Nationals weekend. You know, got to you know shoot the breeze a little bit, put a little bit of color here and there. But uh, but yeah, tonight was uh, on board tonight because uh, of course the the second man of the Lucas Oil Racing TV, of course Bob Dillner, the other uh, voice of the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. We've had a, a family emergency back home, so wasn't able to make it out here for this weekend uh, for the Silver Dollar Nationals. Of course, uh, Dave Vargabright was back on uh, in the pit areas here at I-80 Speedway, and uh, James had me come on board uh, for the non-qualifiers race, and then, I can't believe it, for the 80-lap uh, the main event. That was, it was quite a... Quite a, a crazy race there, but uh, I think before we get into the 80-lap feature, of course, we have the 20-lap uh, Malvern Bank Series show. Corey Dumpert uh, collecting his second career Malvern Bank Series win, and it was with his own equipment. Uh, he's been off and on driving for uh, Al Humphreys' uh, number six team. Uh, that team came off a, a fourth-place finish at the Yankee Dirt Track Classic. That was a 10,000-a-win show uh, two weeks ago. Drove his own equipment tonight, started on the pole for the main event and uh, held off a late charge from uh, from Bill Ayton Jr. to take home the 1200 bucks and uh, first it was his first Malvern Bank win here on I-80 Speedway of course he's a past uh, bragging rights track champion out here at I-80 Corey got the win Bill Ayton Jr. had to settle for second uh, John Anderson another good run and a good finish uh, for the last three or four weeks uh, for John Anderson. He has come on hot as of late, whether it be weekly or Malvern Bank shows here at IED Speedway. He comes home third. Uh, Kyle Burke having to use a, a backup motor the last couple of shows out here. Uh, Burke worked his way to fourth. And the Ironman, Daryl DeFrance, uh, what was it, last week, uh, he 
way for the Midwest Fall Brawl. Actually blew a tire on the way over. Had to take a provisional. Made it in, made it into the speedway while we were in the middle of the B feature. Takes a provisional. Started 21st and finishes 15th that night. But tonight the Ironman strong performance. He rounded out the top five. Yeah, definitely the cream of the I-80 crop rose to the top tonight with some regulars having really strong runs in that feature. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, and it was a, it's been quite an emotional uh, weekend for the Ironman as well. Of course, uh, this past Thursday night they had uh, they had the memorial race for his father uh, Dale de France that, and uh, they actually made it an IMCA Deary Brothers race, so that way Daryl could get the big 500 starts in the IMCA Deary Brothers series. Of course, that that was the series that became the Holland with Hoker Trucking Super Late Models E Series. Uh, Daryl finally got to make history. He has made uh, in the entire history of the Deary Brothers series 500 events. Daryl's made all 500 shows. That was a great mo moment for him. Man, how wild is that? I mean, you think about Johnny Sadoff having 352 IMCA modified wins and just how incredible and unattainable that seems like to, you know, a guy that's in the grandstands, a guy that's in the booth, or a guy that's been racing for even as long as Johnny has. That is just a ton to win. And then you hear about Mr. DeFrance with more than 550 that is just wild. Absolutely. And, of course, Gary Webb up there as well. Of course, a few weeks ago, he picked up his 524th career win. But then, of course, that same night over in Motown, I believe his daughter Brittany uh, said yes uh, to her to her now fiancé down in Victory Lane on their home soil. That was a great moment there. And then they backed that up with a top-five finish here against the Malvern Banks series here at I-80. Man, that is just a great testament to the wide amount of diversity of, of things that can happen at a racetrack sometimes you go to a race and a fist fight breaks out or you go to a fist fight and a race breaks out you've got people that <laughs> get proposed to you've got people that break up you've got big wins big defeats you know just so many different things can happen out here in such a diverse group of people you know from heart surgeons to people that work at a gas station just to do whatever they can to put money into that car to get rolling. Such an awesome thing that we get to be around and such an awesome night out here at I-80 for this I-80 Late Model Nationals. You know, with all the stuff going on in Knoxville and for everybody to just kind of join forces and make this happen, again, that's a great testament to what we have in the racing community because if one show can't go, we're going to find a way to make another. And with all this COVID stuff... It started back in, you know, March and April when they were really starting to close everything with no NASCAR, no this, no that. The Midwest really got to take a spotlight in really world news when it comes to racing. And, gentlemen, we've all got to sit here and be a part of a really cool thing. And you got to be part of a really cool Locus Oil late model dirt series feature. Definitely one of the best ones I've seen here at IED Speedway. I've been to at least one night of every uh Silver Dollar Nationals. I know I haven't made it to the finale of everything. I think out of all the Silver Dollar Nationals, I've only missed two finales uh, in the 10-year history. And, of course, finally getting a chance to uh, work alongside James Essex tonight for the 80-lap main event. Of course, uh, pole setter Josh Richards was looking to make quick work of the field. But uh, I tell you what, Tim McCready and Jimmy Owens, of course, they're the top two in the Lucas Oil point standings going into this race. And of course, tonight was the championship race worth points. 
And, of course, like Dan mentioned, uh, the, the first two nights, uh, non-points races for the Lucas Oil Series. But they were battling early on. Uh, Richards was looking to run away early. It, it didn't. Uh, we didn't see the first lead change, I think, until about 28 laps in. When, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, when Jimmy Owens overtook him. I think, I think uh, Essex may have said uh, somewhere in the opening laps, I think Brandon Overton may have snuck a lap over uh, Richards because Brandon Overton, he, is, he had a great weekend. Uh, didn't get to victory lane, but uh, had still, some, rocket fast still top five finishes uh, and top ten finishes for Brandon Overton. But, yeah, with about 42 laps remaining in the race, uh, Jimmy Owens ended up taking the lead. And a few laps later, uh, the big one uh, under caution, actually, when uh, Chris Simpson uh, brought out the caution with about 30 laps to go, uh, The big one of the big stories going on was uh, Bobby Pierce. Uh, he was initially supposed to start 13th. They took the top 18 in points from the two qualifying nights. Those were the the first nine rows in the main event. Pierce was supposed to start 13th, but shortly before the feature was set to roll out for the big show, uh, Pierce was caught with a, uh, a rear deck violation, which meant he had to start clear back in 31st position tonight. He worked his way all the way up to eighth until he pulled into the pits i think actually under green when he was running eighth i think he was battling with uh with devin moran yep. in the top 10 but uh that was a, a big heartbreak there for uh bobby pierce another guy who had a a good run going was uh jared landers he started about 20th on the grid uh he worked his way just outside the top five but uh unfortunately with about 10 laps to go uh caught the outside wall and i tell you what um whenever you come out for the silver dollar nationals turn two right on the exit here at iid speedway that can bite you when you least expect it and uh unfortunately it bit landers and uh they this was his first weekend out after taking a year off from racing and uh just Always new and interesting facts with you. I had no I I guess I just didn't really realize it. Um jumping on to all these yearly subscription programs with the racing this year, I I think I'm in about three hundred bucks and I'm not regretting a bit of it because you can seriously watch racing every single night. Not not at all. And then of course uh that's uh, for for guys like us, you know that's that's film study for us. That Precisely. We're, we're, we're taking notes, we're making uh making mental notes about what races are going on and uh and of course, with that caution that came out with about 10, la 10 laps to go, that set up the mad dash for the 30K, and it was uh, right between uh, Tim McCready and Jimmy Owens. Owens was the race-long leader, but uh, around the five-to-go mark, McCready was eating into the lead little by little, and then <laughs> finally with about two laps to go, uh, going into turn number one, uh, McCready saw just enough of a gap. He dove to the bottom after... The two of them had ran the top and the middle for the majority of those last few laps. McCready took the lead off of turn number two. And, uh, of course, before too long, McCready was able to stretch it out far enough. And uh, when you saw the crowd coming off uh, turn number four, they all rose to their feet to see Timmy Mack uh, get his second win at I-80 Speedway. And uh, his first one since, of course, since the uh, 2017 Silver Dollar Nationals out here. It was great to see McCready get that win uh, as well. Of course, and uh, of course, we had uh, a surprise guest down there in Victory Lane. One of his good buddies, you know, AJ uh, Modet, who uh, who runs the Dingus Lounge just across the street from Knoxville Raceway. Good friend of Timmy Mack, who was down in Victory Lane. Of course, Dave Argerbright got a word with him, and uh, it was a great interview that uh, that Tim and uh, and AJ had. 
Man, Anthony, how freaking cool is that to just have a turn of events like that? And there you go again, filling me in on stuff that I didn't know. Because as soon as I got a text saying, I'm here from my wonderful friend Jesse who hooked me up with a ride out here this evening so that we could do this. I was like, two laps left. Oh, I better stop and watch this. And zoom, McCready took the lead and just in great fashion. Everybody needs to watch the replay of that race. They should really watch the replay of the whole weekend. It, it was a blast. I know I was I was in the stands enjoying a Polish dog or two on the Thursday night, picking up a diecast car here or there. Only got two this weekend, but uh, so I was kind of off my game there. But nonetheless, Tim McCready scoring thirty grand. I believe the the other one I believe was a fifty grand win out here for the Silver Dollar Nationals uh, about three years ago. Of course, Jimmy Owens, uh, not not quite the way he wanted to polish off the weekend, but had a good weekend nonetheless, a win on uh, Friday night, but he comes home second. How about Ricky Thornton Jr., a second place at the Silver Dollar Nationals and now a third place finish at the I-80 Nationals this year. I'll tell you what, he and from what uh, we heard in his Victory Lane interview, he might be planning on going with the Lucas Tour full-time in 2021, so that could be something to look forward to on the late model side of things for, I believe, the now, def the now I think, two-time IMCA Super Nationals champion, both in the late models and in the modifieds. Josh Richards, your pole setter, comes home fourth. And then, of course, Thursday's uh, A-feature winner and top qualifier, Kyle Strickler, coming home fifth. So once again, I thought I, I made a mention during uh, during the Lucas Oil broadcast. Uh, James was mentioning about Ricky and uh, Kyle making their way up through the field. And I mentioned this trend that happened that kind of started to really take notice in the in the modified and late model scenes. Uh, it had about started about maybe seven or six years ago. But a lot of these big standouts from the United States Modified Touring Series, a lot from the uh, UMP Modifieds, these IMCA Modifieds, a lot of these guys, you know, Ryan Gustin, uh, Rodney Sanders, Jason Hughes, Stormy Scott, Johnny Scott, uh, I, think the, I think the Gallardo brothers, uh, Jake and Fido down from New Mexico, uh, they were starting to dip their feet into the late models. And, uh, you know, they were putting up some big, uh, some big results. Of course, Jason Hughes, uh, I think about three or four-time USMTS National champion, uh, scored Rookie of the Year honors with the Lucas Oil Series in 2014. And of course, Ryan Gustin, he had the whale of a run out here at the Silver Dollar Nationals oh, in 2013. I was in the stands for that. But then, of course, Rodney Sanders rattles off an, an MLRA feature win here and there. But uh, it's good to see that trend starting to come back in. I know it was it was kind of a, sh a shock a couple weeks ago when uh, Kyle Larson made his late model debut uh, over at Port Royal. Second night out, scores a, a I believe a $15,000 victory with the Lucas Oil Series out of Port Royal. And now Kyle Strickler and Ricky Thorne Jr., they are two forces to be reckoned with from the modified standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. The modified guys have really came out and shown their stuff in this late model class. And, like, you talk about Jordan Grabowski moving up to the sprint car class. It's always great to see people moving up and really just advancing and not staying in their same comfort zone and going out and learning new things and trying new stuff. We've got a lot of that to come in 2021, I feel like, um, but not getting into next year too far ahead. Before we wrap this up, uh, 
What's the rest of your year look like for shows that you're going to go to, whether it's as a uh, spectator or as an announcer, Anthony? I think you. I think you know uh, one of my plans. I think you and Dan know one of my plans. I'm going to hit up the Gage County Fairgrounds for Oktoberfest. I know we were talking about that. So I'll be there for you, sure. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if you've been to Beatrice. I'm sure you have, right? Oh yeah. I, oh yeah. I grew up around that place. I really want to do everything that I can to uh, choke the fairboard. <laughs> every, every bit that I can, I really want to see that place take off and succeed. So I, well, they, I guarantee you, I'll be down there in full force for uh, October. 5th. I was, I was there for that uh, wild feature during the spring Nats and uh, Jay Notaboom, you know, edged out, you know, Jordan Grabowski, uh, Dylan Smith, Terry Phillips. That that wild race there for the first, that was the first night of the spring Nats that year. But yep. uh, that's that's actually one of the few racetracks in Nebraska that I have not announced at. Believe it or not, I've never called a race over there at Beatrice, although. I see a lot of the guys on a on a regular basis, but uh, I'll bring my duct tape and maybe we can get both of us up there. And we'll just take over yeah. one night. But let's say next week uh, we've got a Holland with Hooker Trucking Super Late Model Series race over at uh, Davenport Speedway. It's going to be the uh, Iowa Governors Cup over at the Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds. That's going to be a five thousand to win show on Saturday night. But the night before that, I'm going to head back to uh, to the track that started all for me over to Junction Motor Speedway for they've got the first of their two night. Uh, finale, the Barb Noonan Camp Memorial McCool 100. That's always a that's always a very special place to me at Junction. I got started out there uh, calling races when I was just 14 years old. I've been I remember some of those first shows yep. listening to different uh, you know racing boys broadcasts and stuff back in the day. But uh, yep, that was the track that started all for me. So I'll be there on that Friday, and then we'll head to Davenport with the Super Late Models. And then the week after that, it's Championship Weekend for the Malvern Bank in Holland with Hoka Trucking Super Late Models. Friday night we have the West Series finale down at Lakeside Speedway. Saturday night is uh, the East Series finale over at Randolph County Raceway in Moberly, Missouri. That's yet another racetrack I've never been to. Uh, and then I believe I take the next week off. I'm trying to think if it's the next week off or not. I don't believe so because actually the next week is the the Cornhusker Classic. I can't forget that one here at I-80 Speedway. That's that's always a fun event, especially when they brought the Silver Dollar National qualifying format uh, for the modifieds and the sport mods and the stock cars. They put on a great time on Friday night uh, as they battle it out for the uh, top starting spots in the feature. So I'll be here for the Cornhusker Classic weekend. The week after that. Then that's Oktoberfest out at Beatrice Speedway. I'm planning on going out there both nights. And um, assuming that we can still run, I'm still hoping we can get down to the Lancaster Event Center for the Turkey Chase weekend. Three big nights of go-kart racing from about noon to about maybe 10 o'clock at night. We're, we're doing kart racing nonstop on Black Friday through Sunday. And then hopefully I can try to wrap up the season maybe uh, – with my buddies down at AdvantageRacing.tv, and uh, last year got the chance of a lifetime to go with them. We went down to St. Louis uh, for the Gateway oh, Dirt man. Nationals, so hopefully I get a chance to go back to the Dome this year. Uh, and thankfully, Missouri they've got, they've had some They're very a lax, a little bit le more lenient on their COVID restrictions. But then again, this is still an enclosed uh, football stadium that they build this dirt track in. Of course, it's the former home of the St. Louis Rams. But I tell you what, last year the atmosphere was beyond electric. Uh, watched Kyle Larson winning a midget out there. Tyler Carpenter stunned the world, picked up a thirty grand win, and and from the atmosphere, Tyler was not going to be denied. And then the modifieds, good grief the feature on the last day Derek Lush 
uh, steals a win from Kyle Bronson on the last lap to win in the modified portion. So hopefully they get to go down there to St. Louis uh, once again for the Gateway Dirt Nationals and hopefully maybe end the year with the Nebraska Kart Shootout. So there's still a few more nights to go for me all the way to the end of December before we uh, bring in the new year. Damn, what a lucky guy getting, uh, you know, I'm sitting here all bummed out that I've only got like three or four shows that I'm going to go spectate at yeah. before the year's over. Yeah, and I'm, you I'm, just rattled off I'm, damn near a I'm, dozen. I'm bummed that I'm at about maybe 60 or 65 events. Usually, usually around this time of the year, I'm about maybe to 90 or 95 shows, but uh, I usually, the last couple of years, I've had over 100 nights scheduled, but uh but of course, Mother Nature has taken a lot of them. She hasn't really taken as many this year. Oh no, the late but, start we've done. Well, yeah, good. COVID definitely took out more. It took about three months. That had to be about forty or fifty nights, forty nights that uh, I lost uh, due to the COVID outbreak. So it's it's been tough trying to bounce back. But I tell you what, I've been having a lot of fun uh, trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just. For as short as it was, it really has been a great year. So, um, Dan, I got to hang out with you most of the summer over at Eagle Raceway. What are your plans for the remainder of the year, aside from all the various podcasts and all the other cool shit you get to do? Too much drinking. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, as my girlfriend said, don't you think you have a drinking problem? And I said, nope. <laughs> no, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm excited to go down to Shelby County Speedway this uh, coming weekend for the Tiny Lund, the annual Tiny Lund. Uh, Bob Simons and all those guys over there asked if I'd come down and do guest announcing for them, and uh, I said, "You realize you called Dan Taylor, right?" And they said, "Yes, we know. You were the last one on the list, but <laughs> you were the last one. But damn it, you're the only one who was free." It's it's been years, too many years. I I was trying to think maybe six years since I've been to. Uh, the, uh, the Shelby County Speedway, I just went and watched a weekly race, so it'll be fun to go over there and see those guys, especially going over my very first time watching the Tiny Lund, uh, and then I'm off for a weekend, although uh, one of the guys I sponsor is trying to get me to go back to Shelby County Speedway to go just spectate and maybe hang around the pits with him for a figure eight race. Well, that might be kind of a good time, at least yeah. something a little bit different from what we're used to. I went yep. to a lot of those uh, when I was a kid over at the Jefferson County Speedway. That's a spoiler alert for a... Uh, future podcast we're going to talk to tommy denton the race promoter over at jefferson county speedway but anyways uh skirt we'll get it back on track and not go uh, backwards down the back straightaway yeah don't do that uh but uh, and then i wrap up my season as the at, for the corn husker classic which is uh probably one of the tougher races to call because uh there's around 200 some odd cars a lot of guys that don't come around this area, so I don't know their paint schemes, but uh, great racing action, and, and that's one of them that it's usually a, a pretty empty stands, but a packed pits and usually a back pits that they have to use, the overflow pits along the back stretch to be able to fit all the cars in. Uh, somewhere around 200, 235 cars come into that race, so it, it's always a big weekend, and, and I, I think we're going to be right out there again. Yeah, absolutely. It's always great when you get that back pit area full, too. I don't know. I've been out here for a couple of Charlie Clark memorials when this place was just jam-packed. And then um, I guess for myself, really the only shows that I'm going to go to, I'm going to try to make it down to Harlan next Saturday just to come and watch and see how you sound over there, PA speakers. And then uh, I think the, maybe even the following weekend, the month of September is just flying past yeah. me, but I'm going to make my first ever trip over to Adams County Speedway in Corning, Iowa to check out the tradition. Uh, Are you yeah. guys going to that one too? 
Uh, I don't know if I'm going to oh, make it Anthony's to that one. Anthony's out. But uh, I, I would love to. I, that, that, that's a great two-day show. They've added a lot of money to that purse, so I think that's going to be a big attended race for drivers. I think it's going to be great. Well, uh, gentlemen, I, I think we'll probably wrap it up here. I want to thank you guys for letting me come out here and hang out with you and help out with the first episode of Roland Race News. It was great to have you and a wonderful review of this great event. Hopefully the Lucas Oil Series decides to come back, maybe even for a second show in the year, yeah. although I know we're not going to compete with Knoxville because i got a feeling all three of us are going to be down there next September. Well, and, and without getting too off topic, you know, they uh, the story behind that when when they created the Silver Dollar Nationals and it was becoming such a big success, the Lucas Oil drivers went to Joe and Steve and said, "You guys got to add us for a second time. You can't make us only come to your racetrack for one time." And that's quotes from several drivers. So Joe and Steve added the Malvern Bank Go Fifty, which was in May. Yep. Well, Mother Nature diverted that plan two years in a row. And after the second cancellation, they said, okay, well, we're going to, because we want to get this show in, we're going to move it to the Thursday, uh, Wednesday, th no, Thursday portion of the Silver Dollar Nationals. That's right. That's the one that I, uh, somebody had that broadcast for free that night. Yeah. I remember that one now. That was a good the, race. And, and it ended up turning out to be a huge weekend for them, added a third night to a huge two-day weekend. And they, so they said, okay, well, we're going to keep the Go 50 on the Thursday portion of the Silver Dollar Nationals. And then for 2020, they said, we're stepping it up. We made it a four-day show. And they kicked it off on uh, uh, Wednesday with the Malvern Bank Series and a great race there. And then they go 50. And so technically, the Lucas Oil comes here for two-point nights already. I honestly think this is just the way scheduling works and the way that it's so difficult, and it would be very disrespectful for our good friends down the road at, at Knoxville to try to schedule yeah. on top of them. No, you um, just can't do that. I think this is going to be the one and only year. Now, the I-80 Nationals may make their return in a different way. I know that once Joe finds a name for a race and its success, he wants to continue it. So th th this, this race may come about again as something different. I would... And I certainly hope it would contain the Lucas Oil late model guys. I think it'll probably morph into something even bigger and better. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, fingers crossed. But I think this time next year, we'll be all be down in Knoxville uh, enjoying the sights and sounds in the Marion County Fairgrounds. Hell yeah. Let's get a suite, guys. Okay. Oh, Anthony's going to be in the booth on Saturday. So I don't know. I guess we'll have to clean up our own beer cans. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it sounds gonna, good to he's, me. He's going to need a U-Haul truck if he goes the. Knoxville. I'll bring you a Rubbermaid tote. First Rubbermaid totes on me. Uh, you're going to need a couple of them. I, I almost didn't have a big enough truck. I'm not kidding. We had to put all of our stuff in the back of my Colorado, like the radio, the broadcast equipment for the radio show, all of our uh, our hotel stuff, the, the the luggage. We had to put it all in the back because Anthony's eight grocery sacks of die casts. We're taking out the back. I, you know, the the thing is, is I believe it a thousand percent. Yeah. I've seen you at the Eagle's Nest at Eagle. I've seen you down here on Drivers Row as you walk into I eighty. Yeah, this guy is die cast crazy, and there ain't a thing wrong with it. We were trying to do the math of the amount of money he spent that weekend. You don't even want to know. That's no. kind of that's that's like asking us how much we drank in a weekend. Well, we got to the point, and there was like three zeros, and we're like, you know what, we're just gonna. Oh yeah, <laughs> Gee, dang money bags. <laughs> And there's no decimal point in there. <laughs> so, I, uh, great weekend. And, uh, again, I, I realize it sounds like a homer a little bit because I'm friends with the Kaziski family and I work here. But, I mean, what a special race to be a part of. 
what a great weekend and and what a prideful moment for dirt racing and and Nebraska and and IED Speedway this little racetrack that uh is a NASCAR sanctioned racetrack on Friday nights and we just put on one of the best dirt model shows in the country again you know it's it's purely incredible they said it a bunch on the broadcast you know two of the highest paying Lucas yep. Oil shows in the whole year, and it gets to come right here to the Cornhusker State. No matter what the circumstances, you guys put on a great race three nights in a row. Spectacular job to the Kaziskis, to you, James Essex, all the guys with Lucas Oil, and everybody that works here and makes the wheels turn to make this thing happen because, I mean, all, all three of us guys here know that it's not just one guy that makes a racetrack work. It's not one guy that runs the cash register. It's not one guy that runs the sheep's foot. It's it's a serious group and family effort, yeah. and we're pretty damn blessed to get to witness the things that we do and be a part of it. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we're blessed that those those guys that run the place were former racers themselves, so they will always have good-paying purses. Yeah, we don't have too many tax riders yeah. out here trying to come out and own racetracks because right. anybody you know anybody that knows anything about finances knows this isn't exactly the best gamble all the time <laughs> yeah you want a million dollars in racing start with two million that's yep. right it, it, there's always a way for it to dwindle down so all right i think we're gonna make the long long 79 step walk down the i-80 speedway bleachers i might just tuck and roll tuck and roll point. i've uh, gone I, up and down them too many times well i'll take the bruises <laughs> Yeah, it might be worth it. You've got a couple. You've got a week to heal. Just, I'm telling you, I'm gonna tuck and roll. I don't know. You should. I think I can make it work. You should see my backpack. It might weigh more than Dan. Yeah, I don't know. After this weekend, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> it's been a tough weekend on the and last the weekend at the at, at Eagle has been a tough weekend on my weight loss. I, I was gonna ask what was you know what was tougher on the liver or better for the weight loss was it Race Saver Nationals or the Lucas Oil I eighty Nationals? Was, this was a very tame weekend for me, and I think it was because I'm still recovering from the Race Saver Nationals. Still have, um, still have that hangover, yeah. Well, that, that's more something you want to go to the doctor and get cleared up. Yeah. <laughs> Might be penicillin time after Boone. Not yeah. as many steps over there at Eagle, though. Yeah. Not as many steps at Boone either. But but anyways, before we get into any more dick, fart, and fat jokes, let's go ahead and wrap this up. For myself, James Rowland, I want to thank Anthony Ainsley and Dan Taylor for coming on here and helping make a great first episode of Roland Race News. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. We will be back sometime before the next monday again thank you each and everyone have a great night and a great work week